This is the Women's Retail Collective Podcast, where I, your host, Anne Mazinga, pull together retail's most influential women to talk about their careers, how they made it to senior level leadership, and how they're leading their organizations through the rapidly evolving retail industry. This podcast is made possible through the support of our sponsor, Parcel Pending. Don't just improve your customer experience, make it special with Buy Online, Pick Up and Locker by Parcel Pending. Purpose built to meet retailers' unique needs, this smart delivery solution seamlessly integrates with existing order management apps and systems to make BOPIS faster, safer, and more flexible for shoppers. To learn more, visit parcelpending.com. Today, I'm joined by Mary Beth Lawton. Mary Beth is the president and CEO at Athleta. Welcome to the show, Mary Beth. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Anne, for having me. Yeah, this is, our listeners will know, this is kind of like my Super Bowl of interviews because I am a total retail nerd and love talking about retail and we've been, that's what OmniTalk does as a, that's our purpose here. But I also um, am into the fitness industry. So Athleta, like cool. personally to me has been a really, um, I guess, big part of my life and and just that whole side of the business. My husband and I own some gyms and so I'm oh, a cool. fit pro and I also oh, I love uh, it. get to get to see the customer side of the experience and the retail side of the experience. So secretly, yeah. this is a really big deal. And oh, I've been I love a long time, long time admirer of yours too. So really excited to have you on the show. And I, I mean, let's just start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? How did you get to California? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Midwest girl. Nice. Um, spent my whole childhood in Chicago while the Bulls were winning all the championships. So <laughs> I, you know, loved living there. It was a great, uh, great childhood. Um, but yeah, then I've spent almost the last. 20 some years on the West coast. So I just became a West coaster somehow and yep. haven't wanted to leave ever since I experienced nicer winters here. I don't think I could go back. <laughs> I can't blame you at all. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Where, so then, uh, where did you start your first career in retail? How did you kind of get into that? Did you know that was something you were interested in early on or how did that happen? Yeah, well, a couple of things. I mean, way, way back, my, one of my first jobs in high school was in kind of the food service area of retail. So I worked at the local Tasty Freeze. Um, you know, I had, you know, my lovely cap and was serving customers and I just loved it. I mean, I was like ringing the register. I was trying to make the perfect ice cream cone. Um, I loved when it was busy. And it was just like my first introduction of like, you know, how important service and environment is for the customer. So, you know, I remember asking my boss if I could redo the, all the menus on the big boards, the menu boards with like, you know, better illustrations and handwriting so we could sell more product. I just loved that. Um, and I love the multitasking of it. So I think that got me kind of intrigued about retail. Um, and then, you know, more professionally, I started my career at McKinsey and Company after um, college. And, you know, that was during the late 90s, during the dot-com boom. So I was staffed on, you know, a lot of startups in addition to more traditional retailers like department stores. But, you know, I really got the bug for e-commerce and retail then because I saw it was early days for e-commerce, but I saw that that's where the customer was headed and I saw the potential of it. And I was like, oh, I got to be a part of that. So that's really what got me 
that experience um, got me really intrigued about retail professionally. How I'm curious about the McKinsey kind of jump, like after college going into consulting. I think that's a big question that we get, at least from a lot of the people that we come across is like, do you, what's the difference between consulting versus like going right into working in retail to start? I mean, what would you, what's your perspective on that? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the benefits, I think either route can be great. I think one of the benefits of consulting is just getting such a wide exposure to a lot of industries and companies. So as I mentioned, I got everything from literally being in kind of an operating role at a startup to, you know, creating a strategy presentation for a major, you know, food service chain or department store and just had so many different, you know, experiences during that time that really was such a great foundation and gave me a sense of kind of the full view of the retail landscape. And then help me choose, you know, next what I wanted to do um, because I had seen so much and and had a good, you know, sense of it. How then did you decide to go from McKinsey into your, was Nike the next move from there? I had a little bit of a jump. I I knew I was going to go to business school. And so I I spent a year at a women's nonprofit organization because I said, you know, when in my career am I going to be able to do something I'm just really passionate about again, you know, for a while. And so I worked at a women's microenterprise organization. Um, It helped low-income women start their own businesses. And I loved it because I was able to use my kind of McKinsey background, um, business background to help these women with these small businesses. And it was just really fulfilling for me. Um, So I did that for a year. Then I went to two years of business school. And uh, in the summer in between, um, I interned at Nike and I was planning to go back to McKinsey. They had paid my tuition. That would have been the smart financial thing to do. <laughs> but uh, I interned at Nike and I loved it. I mean, I was an athlete growing up. Um, I fell in love with the brand, with the environment. Um, I had also met my husband at McKinsey. We both interned at Nike. We were at business school together. We both interned at Nike and we kind of said, hey, for our you know, we know we want to have a family. If we go back to both consulting uh, full time, that may be harder to do. So we love Nike. Let's do that after school, after business school. So that's what we did. Spent almost nine years at Nike, um, almost all on the direct to consumer side of the business, which at the time was not, you know, the really small part of of the business. It was primarily a wholesaler. And so it was fascinating to be part of um, the retail side of it, where we were really trying to turn the tide and, uh, you know, have the customer more front and center and the connect, the direct connection to the customer be something that Nike really um, went after in a bigger way. And so being part of that was just a really uh, amazing experience. Um, and I spent a lot of time kind of, you know, helping build the direct to consumer side of that business. What did it look like? Like, what year are we talking, Mary Beth? And what was the experience that was like, what was Nike's direct to consumer experience at that point? Yeah. So, the first year I was there was 2003. um, And I was interning as part of the Nike ID, which is the personalized kind of footwear service. And at the time, what was fascinating is that was the majority of their online sales was Nike ID. They didn't have a traditional Nike.com commerce experience that was very big, it was very, very tiny. And um, so, you know, at the time, wholesale was 95% plus of the the total Nike business. And when I came back full-time in 2004, 
I started in the strategy group, but I was, um, you know, I asked to be on retail direct to consumer projects the whole time and really helped kind of even define what a digital organization looked like for Nike, a direct to consumer digital organization. Um, built out the structure, helped get, you know, the pieces in place, and then became part of it myself and ended up leading one of my roles was leading um, e commerce for Nike Europe um, across 21 countries and living over in Europe. And, that was fascinating for a lot of reasons, um, but it was just kind of the time when Nike was starting to take direct consumer a lot more seriously. And so, you know, to be able to just be part of that was was fascinating. And it was things like, you know, at the time, most of the best products went to the wholesale accounts. And yet customers expected when they went to Nike.com that you'd have the full breadth of the experience. And so right. we were on a journey to kind of say, hey, let's listen to the customer and let's make sure that we put the you know, the full mess assortment um, forward in our direct channels as well. And Mary Beth, is that like, would you say that's kind of like the, like where you transition from early to mid career phase, like where you start going, okay, I've, I've had this really significant amount of experience as an intern and kind of coming into my own in this business. I, I wonder at that point in time, like, if you can remember, like, what were some of the things that were coming to you that were like difficult decisions that you were trying to make? And how were you kind of managing making life decisions at that point? If if there's anything like, I, I guess that you could say as far as advice you'd give to people who maybe are at that level right now and are trying to say, okay, what's next? I'm starting a family. Like I've, yeah. or I've, I, we're trying to make decisions about where we're going to live, especially with the pandemic going on. I feel like yeah. there's all these, all these like factors weighing in, like what, what worked for you when you were trying to answer some of those questions? Yeah, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll kind of put it in two parts. So on the professional side, um, you know, I navigated my career quite proactively at Nike. So it was a company that allowed kind of a lot of opportunities and movement if you kind of wanted to do that. And so, you know, part of my advice is for people to just, um, you know, be proactive in their careers, figure out what they are interested in. I knew I was interested in the retail side, getting to know, you know, the customer wanting to be part of that growth story. And so I actually probably had you know, at least two roles there that I helped create and just pitched and said, Hey, can I, really? you know, take this on because I see a need for it. Um, and they turned into roles and, you know, really helped in my career. So that's one thing I'd say is just kind of being proactive. Um, and then the other thing is I purposely, and, and I was mentored to, by some great mentors around this to make sure I got enough breadth of experience early on in my career. So I did strategy roles, I did merchandising roles, um, I did GM roles, and I think all of that really set me up for the career that I've had because I was willing to kind of try a lot of things and really go deep and, and have, you know, those experiences to get the skills that I needed to be a more senior leader. Um, so that's on the, the professional side. Um, and then personally, you know, my husband and I have always um, made decisions together. Two careers is sometimes hard to manage. Um, but we did know we wanted to have kids and um, we just said, hey, we're going to figure it out at each phase and make it work. So I actually got pregnant with my my son, my first child, um, just as we were moving over to Europe for me to do this, you know, three year GM role, my first big role, you know, managing a big yeah. team, a PL, 21 countries. 
Um, but I said, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to figure it out together. And so um, we had my son over in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. We toted him around. I think he went to 12 countries by age two or something like that. And, you know, had a great kind of overall experience, both personally and professionally. And I've kind of always tried to just um, do both the best that we can, you know, together. Great. Oh, wow. What an experience. I'm sure there's a lot, there's, there's many yeah. more stories that we could dive there into about are, yeah. uh, being a first time parent in another country. <laughs> yes. Probably you probably learned a lot from that too. I'm sure. I really did. Well, you, you're talking about this breadth of experience, then your move then at that point went from Nike to Sephora. That's right. And, and that you're kind of going back into now, now you're on the retail side of things. What were some of the the things that really like compelled you toward this this career with Sephora coming from that Nike world? Yeah, I had, had such a great experience at Nike, so it was it was actually hard to think about leaving after almost nine years. But also did want to have a different experience and wanted to challenge myself. And uh, so we moved to San Francisco. I took a, the role at Sephora, leading the e-commerce business, which was about. I don't know, about $300 million when I took it on. And over the course of uh, the eight years I was there, grew it to over $2 billion. So just that massive growth trajectory was such a learning curve for me and just such a great experience and got to you know learn the word of world of beauty as well, um, which was great. But then also just had so many different experiences also at Sephora, um, kind of created my own path again, was really proactive. And so you know, I came in to lead the e-commerce business, but over the years, I took on a lot of different pieces, um, you know, under my scope. So things like analytics and product management and mobile, and ultimately our whole stores organization as well, uh, which was the first time that Sephora had a true kind of omni-channel formation. So I was over all of the channels and we were able to really, you know, put the customer totally at the center and actually take channel totally out of it for the first time and just say what's right. best for our customer and how can we help her navigate across all of our, our touch points. So that was just a tremendous experience as well at Sephora. I remember, I think it was maybe at Shop Talk in the past, but hearing you speak about, about Omnichannel. And I yeah. think that for me, you were really one of the first people who I heard articulated in that way. Like you're, it's not about, it's not about the channel. Like it's really about where you're going to talk to your customer and how you're going to talk to your customer and how you'll Mm -hmm. show up for them. How do you kind of define for you great omni-channel retailing? Like, where does that come in? How do you you just know it when you see it kind of thing? Or like, (laughs) (laughs) if you had to, how would you, or how would you kind of put that into practice? Or Yeah, totally. And I think we still have a long way to go as an industry, to be honest, but Um, I do think there's great examples out there now. And, you know, one of the things I think about is how is, you know, is the entire system architected around the customer, really? And by system, I mean, kind of really thinking about serving the customer across all your touch points and not just stores and online, but, you know, wherever the customer is spending their time. So, you know, we're spending a lot of time right now at Athleta thinking about how do we serve our customer if she's on a social channel, right? And she wants to instantly click and buy. We need to have right. an experience there, right? Or, you know, during the pandemic, she was missing the personalized service that she got from our store associates in our store. So we created a virtual styling service and we brought it to her on her couch, right? And we said, Athleta needs to show up in her house and she needs to be able to have this really amazing personalized experience, um, you know, and, and we've got to bring that to her. So that's how I think about it of, 
you know, it's got to be really seamless kind of table stakes and have lots of options, um, but also be highly personalized. And I think, you know, to do that, you have to find ways to actually, um, you know, collect data at different touch points that you then use in the next interaction with the customer, right? And you kind of create this flywheel effect. And I think that's where the power really comes in if you can get that right. I, I love yeah. that. And I think the other thing that I love about Athleta that kind of moving into your, your current position is also the community connection that yeah. you've always had too, which I think was really for me, at least as being a part of that community as, as an ambassador or a fit pro yeah. who's in the gyms. Like, I don't think we talk about that enough either. Like where, what kind totally. of connections are you making with a brand in places that are not a storefront that are not so an e-commerce site? Um, and you do that both, I think in, in that program, but then also in some of the, like, I mean, yoga events that you're doing in the stores or, exactly. you know, in partnership with other people, tell us a little bit about kind of what you're thinking about that um, as you as we go into this kind of post pandemic world of of reintegrating with brands again, um, and and specifically with Athleta. Yeah, totally. You're right that you know community is core to kind of Athleta's DNA. So we're all about you know women supporting women, and and so how do we kind of be that connector of of like minded women, um, and at a time when people are really craving connection and community. And so we think about it in a lot of ways. To your point, we're, we're trying to make sure, again, we are where our customer is, right? So if she's in the gym and she wants a touch point with Athleta, we've got to be there. So we've got to find a ways to have tentacles into kind of a lot of, of different places, including our local communities. Um, but then we also have to find ways to you know, bring women together. And so we do do a lot of events in our stores um, you know, but we also were thinking, you know, during the pandemic, we thought about, okay, people can't come in our stores. We did a, a series of kind of virtual live stream events called Empower Hours, where we brought together thousands of women and, you know, we did workouts together virtually. We listened to content. We heard had some great speakers. And so we're finding creative ways to facilitate that community. Um, and then coming out of it, I think, you know, people are going to crave connection and community more than ever. And so we're thinking a lot about how can we, you know, create amazing experiences that bring women together and, you know, both physically and digitally. So we're thinking a lot right. about how can we create that digital community experience where, you know, women can just connect and talk and have open conversation um, about, you know, topics related to their health and their life. And so that's really exciting uh, as we think about Athleta's future. Right. And really almost like the coming from the opposite end of the spectrum, like instead of starting in in the social network and going into commerce, starting right. with a traditionally commerce led experience, but really kind of di diving deep into the community aspect of that. That's so I imagine, right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I imagine that that's also mm -hmm. helping you, as you were mentioning earlier, collect more information about the consumers. Like when you're in a real setting or you're in a, right. a community of people and you're talking about, I love that pant or I hate That's that right. pant and I, I wish it was like this. I, I want to hear how, um, how you, how you use those community events or, or, or those opportunities to really connect with the consumers and how that may have impacted this, uh, extended size assortment that Athleta has just come out with within the last year now. And, um, how you're kind of keeping that as an ongoing feedback loop with you and your customers. Totally. And I think we're, we're on a journey with that. You know, I think we'll continue to work on 
ways to really collect even more information about our customers that she wants to offer to us, right? That she's right. happy to offer to us because she wants to have that personal experience. Um, but you're right, like the community events we have today, we can learn so much about our customers. We can talk with them. Um, we can invite them to other events. We can show product for them. They're, you know, a runner and they're interested in our running product. You know, how do we just offer her really relevant, um, you know, follow-up communications, invite her to our run clubs, whatever um, she's interested in. So it is about listening a lot to our customer at those events. Um, and then to your point, you know, taking that that information and what we learn and and turning it into, you know, new business opportunities. And so, you know, when it came to extended sizing, you know, we were hearing loud and clear from our inclusive sizing customers that, you know, they she felt underrepresented. She didn't feel mm-hmm. like she had you know, stylish, smart product to wear. She didn't feel like she had a store experience that was really, truly inclusive and didn't make her feel like, you know, she had to go to a rack on, you know, on the side of the store. Yeah. Um, you know, she didn't see herself in brand images in a lot of cases at, at different, you know, brands, her, you know, people that look like her. And so we did hear that directly from our customer and it did um, help us, you know, go on a journey to really become an inclusive brand where, you know, over 500 styles we now offer are in inclusive sizing and extra, extra small to three X as well as, you know, petites and tall. So really something for everybody. And that is core to our DNA at Athleta. So it was really, really important that we do that. Uh, but, you know, it really was about listening to the customer and taking a really, you know, a real 360 degree approach. So it wasn't just, let's put out some product on a shelf mm-hmm. It was, you know, let's train all of our store associates so that they can talk in the right way about inclusive sizing. You know, let's put mannequins that are of all sizes in every single one of our 200 stores. So it was a really comprehensive approach. Um, And, you know, just hearing the customer feedback since we launched this has been just, I mean, so many even in tears and just feeling um, like Athleta finally kind of created the right experience has been just so rewarding. And, you know, we're, we're still on a journey with it, too. Yeah, I, I can speak from personal experience that um, the people that we see in our spaces and, and just, you know, in my conversations with other people in the fitness industry, I think it's, it's done so much for just overall empowerment and inclusion in something that can be very segmented at times. And I, I, I appreciate what you and your team have done for that. I think it's, um, it'll be great to stay on top of where that goes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I wonder Mary Beth, like, when things like that come up and, you know, you hear that feedback and you're ready to bring this to the the larger organization mm-hmm. and especially being part of Gap too, I think, and not just being one, one brand alone, but part of kind of right. a family of brands. How do you, how do you personally kind of present these concepts and ideas knowing that you're going to get pushback about, you know, well, it's, economically not feasible for us to run, do all these size runs or to do all these prints or like all the people that will come up against you with the, maybe the economic reasons for why this is going to be a more difficult thing to do. What's your approach to going to those people, especially when it's an issue that, you know, just you, you have such, your values are telling you like, this is the right direction. I want to guide the company. Totally. I think you're exactly right. I mean, I I was going to say that the number one thing is really 
the values in the customer. And when those things are in line with who we are as Athleta and what our customer wants, um, it's oftentimes, you know, the right decision. And presenting the case, you know, for something like inclusive sizing, when you step back and you think about just what's the right thing to do as a brand, we're an inclusive brand. That means, you know, we're inclusive by design, we say at Gap Inc. And so that means everybody deserves to, to feel welcomed and part of something. And so, you know, it becomes an easier decision when we think about it uh, with the customer at the center. And, you know, the second part of that, I think, is not just thinking about, okay, is there a short-term business case for this, you know, but really long-term, what's the business case? What's the impact on the customer and the brand and their their lifetime value with Athleta, right? right? And so we we definitely think about all of that when we're thinking about new opportunities. Um, taking the long view, I think, is is really really important. Um, but it, it really helps when it's something you know your customer wants and it supports the you know the values of the brand. Which you know those are a lot of what we've done um, over the past. You know, I've been there about a year and a half. A lot of the decisions we've made have been aligned to those two things. And are you bringing like is this a team effort? Is this like yeah. I'm I'm gonna be your your kind of champion of this effort. Like how how does that happen? How what 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 kind of groundwork needs to be laid for that to like get the final green light? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are always lots of steps in these things. Um, <laughs> but for me, you know, my my team, we are very much a team, and we make decisions together. And you know, one of the things I've learned over my career is just how important it is to empower the team, bring the team along, feel like you're all in it together, because that's going to give longevity to the decisions and the, the initiatives that we we do. Um, and it also, you know, helps us, um, it helps me ensure that we can really scale the business and move quickly. I mean, I can't have my fingers in everything. In fact, I can I can only be involved in, in a very small part of everything we're doing. And so I consciously take myself out of meetings um, where I, I need my leaders to make the decisions because I know if I'm in a meeting, I'll be looked to to make every decision. And so right. it, it really is a team effort. So something like this 1X to 3X initiative was a massive team effort. I mean, every function was involved. Um, we had you know leaders that were accountable across functions, um, myself and the leadership team making some of the key decisions along the way, um, but definitely you know, a real team effort. And, um, you know, I view my role in a lot of that is, is coming back to the customer. So I'm often the one in the meeting saying, if we have to make a tough decision, I'll say, okay, let's just pause here. What do you think, you know, our customer would say? How does that help us guide the decision? And, um, you know, is this aligned to our values? Are we sticking to our values? Those are the types of roles that I tend to play in these things and really then lean on my team to bring it to life and, and we'll do it together. As you look at the next couple of months, yeah, like I said, we're going back to stores. Hopefully, things are going to keep moving in the right direction. Um, what what what's ahead? What are you looking forward to for the rest of this year? Oh gosh, we have so much um, we're looking forward to. I mean, we we just hit um, a huge milestone for the business of a billion dollars at the end of last year, and so as we move toward, you know, two billion plus, um, we have a lot, you know, we're thinking about and. Again, customer first, we're thinking about what, what do we need? And, you know, one of the things that's a focus for us is um, we just need more people to know about our brand. So brand awareness is a big opportunity. So we're doing things like opening more stores, you know, 20 to 30 a year. Um, you know, we talked about community and events. We're really excited to 
create both digital and physical experiences in a much, much bigger way. Um, we're thinking about, you know, the store experience of the future. I think the role of different touch points is going to continue to evolve. Our, you know, a lot of the transaction is already happening online, right, on mobile devices. I think that's yes. only going to increase. And so, therefore, the physical environment needs to become much more about connection and community um, and personalized experiences. And so we're excited about that as kind of the next phase there. Um, on products, we're just, we continue to be so excited about, you know, the assortment we have because as women go back to, you know, working in, in physical environments, they're, you know, they've been wearing joggers and sweatpants all year and we have right. that side of our assortment, but we also have, you know, a lifestyle side where we have great, you know, pieces that can be worn. They're super versatile, you know, from being a customer, they can be worn yeah. On Zoom calls, they can be worn in the office. Um, they can, they're, you know, they can be worn to work out, and so we're excited about that. As you know, people come back into hopefully a more normal lifestyle, um, just serving our customer with, you know, all the products that we have. So a lot that's that's going on, um, and just continuing to bring our mission to life. I think that's one of the most powerful things. And you know, what drew me to this experience was the idea that you know, yes, it's an exciting, growing retail brand, but also our purpose and our mission are so core to everything we do and just empowering women and girls. Um, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter and I just, you know, I take, I took her to the store, one of our stores yesterday. I take her all the time and just the environment is so encouraging around confidence for young girls and being active and, you know, sports as a way to do that. And just the brand, you know, we have so much we can do that we're excited about um, bringing those, those values to life. So. I love that part of it too. I yeah. think that's the, the kids, our kids being able to see their moms, especially or the women in their life, really just being able to prioritize health and wellness as something right. that is equally important for them, um, as career, as being a mom, you know, like taking care of yourself is something that will pass down, um, through generations. And I, yeah, I think it's a great, way for even for for you know women and the the young women in their lives to connect over this experience whether totally. it's a community event or it's yeah. shopping together um i'm i'm looking forward to that and me and too yeah, this, <laughs> that will be oh we're almost there we're almost there hopefully yeah. Hopefully. I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, in, I want to close um, with one question for you, Mary Beth. As we look back on all of these these accomplishments that you've had, this fantastic career, if you look back, um, I'm wondering if there's somebody that you had to write a thank you note to hmm. who impacted your career and where you are today. Who would you hmm. write that note to and what would you say to them? You know, the person that comes to mind, I've had many mentors who I could thank for sure who have helped me. Um, but the person that comes to mind is my husband, actually. Um, he has been my partner, my supporter throughout my career. And just the partnership we've had, you know, he's been, he's now um, not working and he's supporting our family while I have this, this role. And it's just been an evolution. We've been married almost 20 years, like every phase we've been supporting each other. But you know, I think without that partnership, I wouldn't be able to be where I am. So that's who comes to mind first. Um, but also many just mentors, women that I've looked up to, and I've tended to have, you know, female mentors um, that maybe have different leadership styles than I do. 
And, you know, that's helped me kind of realize that people are most effective when they embrace their own kind of unique leadership style. So I haven't, you know, I've learned a lot from my, my mentors, but I've also learned a lot about who I am as a leader and who I want to be and making sure that I do it really authentically. So I thank all of them for, for all of their advice as well. <laughs> That's incredible. And I thank you for being a mentor and someone that we are all, I think, in the in the retail industry, especially really looking up to um, and wish you great success as you go through the rest of this year, the rest of your career. And thank you so much for, for sharing your story with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. If you could hold your own concert, Mary Beth, with three bands, Dead or Alive, who are you choosing? Oh, I have been to a lot of Ed Sheeran concerts. I love his music, so mm-hmm. I may open with that. He does an amazing job with live concerts doing his own music. Like he pre- performs all of the instruments while he sings as well. So that's gotta crazy. have him. He's pretty amazing. Uh, Snow Patrol is another one I love. That's a little bit of a kickback one. They have yeah, so many good songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it at those two. Those are really solid okay. ones. 